So I invite you to just notice your next breath as we go into our song, go into our prayer, and also perhaps bring something into your awareness that you're grateful for. Maybe that song that we just shared together today. Maybe the the lungs that sustain us. Maybe the opportunities that lie before us that perhaps we don't realize. But to activate gratitude is quite transformative. Simple practice. So if you know the words, please join me. If not, just allow the words to work in you and through you and for you. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear or spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very And so I speak these words on behalf of each person here. I speak them in the I am, in the first person. And so let these words wash over you. If they're not a fit for you, just let them, let them wash over you. And if not, your, your yes in this moment aligns with the vibration of what they represent. It is the consciousness upon the words that we celebrate. And so what I know in this moment is there is one life. That life is perfect. That life is the God and goddess, this divine energy, this vibration of the most high. Whatever we call it, it just simply says, yes, I am what I am. But that life, that vibration is my life. And so I celebrate that in this moment. I know that that relationship continues to expand and to grow and to deepen, that I trust my intuition. I stand in the the faith of that relationship, knowing that everything that is necessary for my further expression upon this planet in a way that is potent and and loving, creative, and standing for the freedom and the grace and the beauty that that is my divine inheritance, I just give thanks. I bless this day, I bless ears to hear, eyes to see, hands to touch, arms to hug. I am so grateful for all of life, to be alive in this moment, and to know that as we look upon the world and see the struggle, the discord, the sorrow, that we have the opportunity, perhaps not to change any of that, but to change how we interpret, embody, and go forward from this point, understanding that it is simply divine ignorance that is being expressed. And so I celebrate the awakening, myself and others, and knowing that something powerful and beautiful is awaiting my welcome. I stand in that welcome with you, and this day is perfect in every good way, and for this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful, and beautiful music this morning. It just keeps getting better. It's our second time around with it, and quite lovely.
So this day that's, you know, it's raining, but it could be snowing. So. Yesterday I was raking leaves, and I thought if anyone ever doubts the, the uh, generosity of the, the infinite, they just need to rake leaves. Because there are a lot of them out there. All right. Wait a minute, I'm on page, I'm already on page two. So we are working with Abundance this month. I want to thank uh, Reverend Tammy Banting for the beautiful work she did yes, last weekend. Heard wonderful, wonderful things about her sharing and uh, message. I heard she got a standing ovation, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Stacy Berger, our, our board chair, who got up the week before and, and uh, quite brilliant. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman. And we are so blessed to have her here in our community. Yep. I am not new here today, but if you are new here today and would like to be identified, this is the red cup, the infamous red cup. There's more than one. You don't have to share it with me. There's more back there. But every once in a while, I grab a red cup just so you know that I feel new today. So when I'm feeling new, then you know, I take a red cup. Uh, but if you all do that, there won't be any red cups for the new people. So probably not a good practice to model. So I was down in Los Angeles uh, for some training, and I'll talk about that as I share today. But as I got on the uh, shuttle bus to go rent a car, flew into, to, the training was in San Diego, but it was much more affordable to land in Los Angeles and drive down than it was to fly through Phoenix and Denver and wherever I needed to go to get to San Diego. So not that I don't love flying, but I don't like flying that much. So as I got on the shuttle bus to go over to the uh, rental car place with a number of other people, three men sat down next to me and I said, hey, where are you guys from? And they said, Regina. And not, you know, this was 20 years ago. I wouldn't have a clue where Regina is. But I said, oh, wow, are you guys, are you guys Rough Rider fans? And they said, yeah. And I said, oh, sorry. <laughs> so then the guy looks at me and says, do you know Los Angeles? And I said, yeah, I lived here about 30 years. He said, well, I want to go to Compton. And I said, what? You want to go to Compton? What do you want to go to Compton for? And I guess that he'd seen that movie, Straight Out of Compton, or whatever it's called. I haven't. It's not on my bucket list. So if you see it and you you want to tell me about it, great. But but anyway, it's the story of these young artists, these hip hop artists, or whatever they are, rappers. I guess they're rappers that came out of Compton. And I could be I could be saying I know nothing. So, but I know it's about a story about Compton. So anyway, I said, well, well, if you, I said. You sure? Because you could go to Beverly Hills, and you could go to Pasadena, and you could go to the beach. And, oh, we want to get to Compton. And so I said, well, we're on Century Boulevard, and if you just go, if you just go straight east on Century for about a half hour to an hour, you'll be in the heart of it. And there was this very large black man driving the bus, and I'm, we're sitting opposite him, and finally he looks over at this, this man and his friends from Regina and says, Sir... Do you want to die? <laughs> I said, there you go. That's what I've been trying to say. So anyway, but I, and I haven't read anything about those guys, so I think they made it. But I just said, just go during the day. Be better if you go during the day. Yeah. But he was sure excited about that. I know, wow. A lot of things I'm excited about in life, but that's not one of them. <laughs> So this, this, this uh, month's message and book, uh, we showed it at the announcements that Reverend Tammy did with us, is uh, the book of the month, The Path to Wealth, The Seven Spiritual Steps for Financial Abundance. So I want to touch on those today and talk about them. You know, all spiritual practice, all meaningful spiritual practice is very simple. 
It's simple, simple, simple. It's repetition, it's practice, it's practice, it's practice. And here comes this book, and, and Laura and I know this uh, May McCarthy. We met, we don't know May, we know her sister who's one of the ministers at the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living who wrote this book. I didn't realize it until I opened it up, started reading it, and I'm, oh, this is Sharon Ramey's, Reverend Sharon Ramey's sister. So I want to share those simple practices with you today, and then we're going to expand upon it in a couple of weeks. Actually, Wayne Lee's going to be here next week because we're doing our leadership retreat next weekend. And uh, really looking forward to that. We're going to have all our practitioners, ministers, and people in leadership uh, uh, spend some time together. When in this, um, in this book, she lists seven steps. And the first step is each day when we get up. So she's got to practice. So I'm going to touch on them, then I'll, I'll flesh each one out a little bit. The first one is to read something inspirational. The second one is to write a gratitude letter. The third one is to speak with emotion. The fourth one... Imagine experiencing your good right now. It's a feeling tone. The fifth one, ex- expect leads and follow direction. The, fifth, uh, the sixth one, celebrate successes and demonstrations and then eat, end each day with gratitude and forgiveness. So very simple practices. And so she lays it out. She lays the first day out as she says date and in the book and we'll have the books this week. We've ordered them a long time ago and I guess they're I don't know where they are, but they're on their way. And usually we get them quite quickly. But it, so she says, put the date down. And then your CSO, she does a little bit at the beginning. The CSO is your chief spiritual officer. So if you don't like God or goddess, chief spiritual officer. Isn't that great? And it can be a woman. There's chief spiritual officers that are, you know, God is not, God is both male and female. We have this, we had a lady here that for, months would come to me and say, you know, God is not that God word. And I said, well, would you like goddess? And she'd say, yeah, yeah, go with goddess. <laughs> and I'd say, well, God, I'm not, talking about a, I'm not talking about a personality. I'm talking about a principle. We went round and round and round. But, and, and, I, and I'm not being critical, but it was just interesting how we get married to certain ideas. We just get entrenched with certain ideas and certain mindsets. And God is, it's, it's a vibration. It's a frequent, you feel it. At times, when you hear a beautiful song and your heart gets cracked open. And, or you, you know, I mean, I just spent time when I was in California. Between the two weekends, I drove up to Oakland to see my new grandson. And, you know, it's such a joy to be around that energy. And it's just to see the life, the aliveness. It's like, oh, golly. It's such a beautiful thing. So those, to me, are sacred moments. So the chief spiritual officer and I attend the meeting. So you and the chief spirit, you get to call the meeting. And so what she recommends is do it first thing in the morning when you get up, 6 o'clock, we're having our meeting. And the first thing that you do is you read something spiritual and uplifting to get into receptive mode. That beautiful book we used last month, that uh, Reclaiming My Soul's uh, Divinity by uh, Panache Desai, the 33-day practice, perfect. She says, don't do more than five or 10 minutes, but you do it. She gives you it from 6 o'clock is step one. You read it, and then you say, this day I read, and you have a little journal. You write it down. That's simple, isn't it? I mean, look at this. These activities, these linear activities that that coach us into a field. So the second one is to write a gratitude letter. So you start the day writing a gratitude letter. This is going to be an incredible day. I got up this morning and said, this is the most incredible. Every every Sunday I get up and say, this is the most incredible talk I've ever done in my life. And, And for me, it's like, am I making it up? And am I, am I, you know, am I, am I in a fantasy? I'm making it all up anyway. And what would it look like if I said, this is going to be horrible for everybody today. This will be the worst talk ever. Where does that lead me? Let's see if I can clean the place out before I'm done talking today. (laughs) 
And what it is, it's for me. It sets me up. And then I'm paying attention. It's like, wow, okay, I just made that declaration. Now what do I need to pay attention to? You don't just make that declaration and then I'm done. It's like, oh, you know, and, then I'm, and, and, and so I drive Laura, my wife Laura crazy because she always wants the PowerPoint done by Thursday. And I'm working on it until, you know, our first service is at 10. I'm working on it until 9.55. Wait a minute, God's not done with me yet. You know, so we've learned. I've, I've said, God, I need it a little quicker than that, okay? You know, and, and I have notes because what I've found is that if I don't have notes, that God has a tendency to repeat herself, if you know what I mean. <laughs> So we learn as we go along. We learn. It's an ever-unfolding, growing. It never ends. It never ends. It's endless. But write a gratitude letter. What do you, and the book is full of these wonders. She gives examples. But what a great way to start your day. You know, we, we just watched this great, great documentary about the Eagles. It was three hours. So we had to watch it in segments. It was so much. And, um, and, and they're, you know, the, what they created, this body of work, is amazing. But there's uh, Joe Walsh, um, if you remember Joe. But Joe's played with the Eagles for a long time. And Joe, as he said, he, was, he doesn't remember any of it because he was either drunk or, or stoned out of his mind the whole time. But they talk about how he finally had to get sober. And he wrote this beautiful song called All the Pretty Maids. I think it's Pretty Maids in a Row is what it's called. And when there's one line in it that says, why do we give our hearts to the past? Why do we give our hearts to the past? Because Deepak will tell us, Deepak Chopra will say, fall in love with your future. But we give our hearts to the past. And I mean, it's just so simple. Isn't that a simple practice? What am I in love with today that I can move towards? What, what inspires? Because if I'm inspired, I know that I'm connected. Inspi- inspire is to be with um, enthusiasm, is to be connected with spirit. You know, there's one life. That life is God's life. Or God is life. The divine life, love, beauty's life. And that life is my life now. It just changes and shifts us. It's such a powerful, simple practice. And sometimes we can fall into the, into the pattern or the habit. We've done it so much, it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. And that's why it's important to revisit it and go, why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? And there's nothing wrong with that because we go to sleep. It's so easy. It's our divine nature to go to sleep. Oh, I've done this a million times. I already did that affirmative prayer. Well, you haven't done that affirmative prayer today. You haven't made that declaration today. So she talks about the, the consistency of these practices. So write a grat- gratitude letter. That's at 6.10. So you spend 10 minutes doing that. And then at 6.20, you speak with emotion. You read your letter out loud to yourself. Because the spoken word, and this is from the co-creation work as well by Marcia Sutton. She always says, speak your prayers out loud. We hear it, we embody it at a deeper level. Because if it's up in our mentality, it just spins and spins and spins. Have you noticed there's a lot of stuff that goes through there all day long? It's just one more idea that goes through and there's no place for it to land. I am, you are, the sons and daughters of the living God. I mean, that's the truth. Man, if we live from that, then why don't we live from that? Why isn't it immediate? Why don't we make this declaration and everything cleans itself up and everything is transformed? Because I believe and I know that there's this, this, this realm, is there's work that can be done here, there's opportunities to do in this, this realm that can be done nowhere else. And we come here, we are, what I believe and know is that if we, what we, it's our opportunity to transform consciousness. And what we don't transform, we transmit. I went down to San Diego for training for two weekends. And it was all around, it was called psychogenealogy, which is a branch of biological decoding. 
And they know from the research and the things that they've done now that they can, doctors can trace when a symptom shows up, when a diagnosis shows up in the physical body, the trauma that created that, the, uh, the discord, the distress. And the way the, body res- the mind resolves it is to place that, that trauma somewhere so we don't die, because trauma will kill us otherwise. So it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And there's, you know, there's so much to know about it. And I didn't, I resisted going. I've known about this for two years. I said, I don't need one more thing. Oh, my God. And then I went and I realized it wasn't about me teaching. It was about me doing my own processes with it, with my family of origin. I'll, I'll share a little bit with you. So step three at 620, speak with emotion. And Ernest Holmes says this about that, that idea. He says, our mental, this is from... The Essential, Essential Ernest Holm, probably the best book to get if you want to buy one of Ernest's books. It's a, it's a compilation of a lot of things he wrote, and he was a prolific writer and thinker. He said, I was reading this earlier, and he quit school when he was 15. He said, I've had enough of this. I need to think for myself. I need to understand for myself the deeper meanings of this whole thing. And he grew up with a mother that said, whatever you do, there is nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. So he just launched him in a way. So one of the seeds that he carried forward from his ancestry is there's nothing to fear. Wow, wouldn't that be great if we lived in life that we didn't fear anything? And he says this, our mental acceptance should be filled with conviction, warmth, color, and imagination. He was saying the same thing. He wrote this probably in 1940. Should be filled with conviction, warmth, color, and imagination. You know, there's a place to start. What am I going to speak emotions about? What brings me to life? The creative power responds to feeling more quickly than the, any other mental attitude. Aren't we lucky that when we get depressed or sad that there's not an immediate response to that? I mean, people always say, how come my prayers aren't answered in them? Uh, you know, immediately. And I say, aren't you glad when you're depressed and angry and you want to, and, and mentally you're killing someone in your mind? Aren't you glad that that's not being acted on as well? It takes time. Therefore, we should try to feel the reality of what we're doing when we give an affirmative prayer. And this reality is felt as we become more and more convinced that spirit responds to us. Spirit responds to us. Spirit responds to us all the time. And the more feeling we have with it, the more color and warmth we have with it, what a beautiful practice. Simple, simple practice. I read my letter out loud with emotion. Step four, which happens at 625. So we started at six, now it's 625. Imagine experiencing your good. I am so happy and grateful that our 30th anniversary gala is a phenomenal success. That everyone that attends is, is captured by the contagion of all the, the good that has happened. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Rites of passage and rituals are so important. And, and that's what I got in this training was that when we're connected to an ancestor that we're carrying in a, in a uh, an unrealized at a very deep subconscious level, one of the ways to break the cord is to simply have a meaningful and powerful ritual. And when I got there, they asked you to bring ancestry information. And my family has never done any ancestry work. I have 10 brothers and sisters. I had their birthdays. I had my mom and dad's birthday. I didn't have my grandparents. So I called my sister, the one that uh, is a little more open to all this woo-woo metaphysical stuff. I said, could you get me grandma and grandpa's Birthdays. And she said, well, the only way I can get that is I got to go to the cemetery and take a picture of that headstone. I said, well, would you be willing to do that? She said, but yeah, but I don't like going in there. It's spooky. I said, okay, well, thank you for being uncomfortable and getting me that information. So she went over, took a picture of the headstone, 
and sent it to me. As, and, and I looked at it and I'm, I showed it to Laura Gwen because Laura Gwen is the woman, is a minister and the woman that leads our tours to John of God. And Laura had put this together. She, it's, a very, it's a very interesting, she, she thinks it theorizes and I would agree with her that when we go to John of God, what the entities do is help clean up a lot of the ancestral ties that we have working at a deep level. And I thought, oh, isn't that, it's fascinating. Because I asked Laura, I said, why are you drawn to this work? And she explained that to me. But anyway, I showed her the picture of the headstone of my grandparents. And she said, do you realize that that insignia in the middle of that cross, the Christian cross, is the, is the um, symbol that represents St. Ignatius of Loyola, who's the patron saint of the Casa in Brazil. And boy, did I get the God bumps. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, look at that. And so then when we were sitting there and the guy that was facilitating the work, Jason Thompson, and Jason is a trained practitioner. He studied with Louise Hay. He's a psychologist. He has his doctor and uh, his certifica- uh, certification as a psychologist and has also grabbed onto this work and has been training people with this. So he's quite well read. And he said that as you open your family tree, you'll find that information shows up. And so I'm sitting there and all I got is the stuff I brought with and I've got it on a piece of paper. And so unbeknownst to me and my, my sisters are over cleaning up my mom's paperwork and I had a, a grandfather that was adopted. He was my guy, my favorite guy. And he was adopted and I knew nothing of his biological parents. I knew a little bit about his adopted parents. All of a sudden the adoption paper show up on my cell phone within about a half hour after Jason saying this. I went, oh my gosh. And from that I was able to plug in enough information through Ancestries.com to fill in a lot of, a lot of the ancestry. But I just thought, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting when we set an intention for this stuff? So we're experiencing our good. Imagine, think about it, and feel grateful for all that I've listed as my desires and thoughts. I've already had them. What does it feel like? So at 6.30, 6.30, our meeting is adjourned. You spent the first half hour of your day getting set up. Because what those practices do is launch you into the day in a field. A field, a field of rep- receptivity. Because step five is what I just expressed to you about my experience when I opened my family tree. All of a sudden, every moment of the day, I'm looking for signs or some intuitive direction to take the next step towards my desired good, whatever it may be. But w- when we live in expectancy, when we live in expectancy, we start to extract the information. So as I was, I was doing this work, and, and then more information kept showing up, because I'm on this group text with, I have seven sisters and three brothers, so there were a lot of texts coming in, and a lot of it was this family information. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm sitting there taking notes. It's like, it was like they knew when they were sending me information. As I'm standing there, well, this is good to know, and I didn't know. Wow. Did you know that my grandfather was adopted by George Cameron, who was born in Canada? And I thought, wow, I've gone full circle here. <laughs> Many times when in part of the pattern is if you've had a family that is someone in your family that's acted out in a certain way Say say you had someone that stole money and you're finding yourself struggling with money You know there, there can be an unspoken loyalty to make up to bring that back into balance So I said at one point when they shared that I said I think I had horse thieves in my family But but it's just it's just such a rich amazing body of work So looking for the signs is is uh, step Step five. Ernest wrote this, and this comes from the Jewish tradition. And I have the page memorized here, so because I lost my markers. Ernest said, so we get this sequence of cause and effect from both the Buddhist and the Mosaic teaching of Moses. In the Jewish tradition, it said the sins of the father are visited on the children to the third and fourth generations. Isn't that interesting? 
You know, the, the, the Jewish tradition understood that we carry with us an energetic. That, that, and see, it's, we're not doomed by this. All it is is to have an awareness and have a meaningful ritual in our lives to say, I'm not carrying this for you anymore. And I'm not going to give it back to you. I'm gonna, we're going to take this, this energetic of whatever is unfulfilled and we're going to give it back to source to be transformed. Because all the energy that's ever been is right here, right now. There's not new energy being created. It is being recycled and recirculated. And so our opportunity is, I don't want to give back struggle to my parents or my grandparents. I want to take that energy and say, I return this. Whatever energetic loyalty I have with you, I free you for your destiny and my destiny. Because I want to live my destiny. But when we're turned around facing our ancestors, we're not living our destiny. We're living their destiny. I thought, wow, wasn't that so simple? And then all kinds of things came up for me. So it was a really fascinating body of work. So the sins of the, you know, our, our forefathers, it's not ours. It's not ours to carry. So, and we don't have to understand it all. Just to simply say, put it down. I've cut the cord. To have meaningful ritual. <clears throat> I'll describe a meaningful ritual in a moment when I was there. And step, step six is to celebrate and note when something good shows up. How many of us, when something good shows up, get right there with our prayer partner, right there with someone that supports us? Hey, guess what happened today? I set an intention for this, and this is what showed up. But I know most of us, when something lousy shows up, guess what happened today? Ah, I knew they were going to say that. And then the whole thing, and we spin in that energy of it. Because we love to share. You know, I used that book last week, and I remember last month talking about the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt, Guilt will share, but shame we won't. So I had a lot of memories when I was doing this ancestor work around shame. So the last day we were there, and there were a whole bunch of synchronicities when I was at this workshop. The last day we were at the training, uh, they said, we're going to have one person here. There were 25 people in the room going to light, do this candle ceremony to light your ancestors. And we'll do a workshop. It's a really wonderful, wonderful experience. But you light your ancestors, and you don't need to know all of them. I didn't know, I hardly knew any of them, but I had a few more. And you would put your 28, and in this case I put out 30 because I have two adopted parents as well. And I lit, lit candles, and with each candle I lit, I would say a prayer. But, but what happened, I, I got ahead of myself. So they, they said, we're going to pull one number, and whosoever number it is, they're going to light the candles. We're all going to hold the space for them in, in, in prayer and witness this. And I had told Laura Gwen earlier in the day, I said, I'm going to leave at noon because I want to get up to Los Angeles and see my mother-in-law and sister-in-law, and we'll have dinner. And I didn't want to have to race. I didn't want to have to be in traffic and not getting there till 9 o'clock at night. And I said, but I will stay if my number's pulled. So sure enough, my number's pulled. And I had shared that morning because people were really having major breakthroughs and breakdowns, a lot of tears and a lot of emotional, and it was beautiful. But I'm like, I got nothing. And I'm a very teary guy, if you know me. I'm a pretty emotional guy. I'm like, I got none of this. I'm trying to connect with my grandmother that she and I had issues. She hated me and I hated her back. I'm trying to connect with grandma and nothing. So anyway, <clears throat> um, but sure enough, pulled my number. I went, oh, they're laughing at me now, you know, trying to get my attention. And once again, the synchronicities of it. And so as I was lighting the candles, what I, I would say with each candle was, I, sell, I light this candle in celebration of destiny, your destiny and mine. And whatever there is that is connecting us that is not productive or valuable or life-affirming or whatever it may be, I affirm and know that we, we give that energy back to source to return it to be, to be recirculated and renewed rather than stay stuck in it. And it was beautiful. By the time I got done with those 30 candles, I was like, wow. And then I had this one grandfather that was my guy. He was the guy, he was the guy that kept me alive. He died when I was 10 years old. 
But uh, he was the one that showed me and modeled unconditional love. So I light, lit all the candles and I said, now watch which one goes out first. And I sat down and I fell asleep. And as I fell asleep, his candle went out. And I said, what does that mean for you? Because there's no, there's no dictionary for this. And I said, oh, that just means he and I are good. He and I are good. He said, you've got other work to do with the other th- uh, 29, but you and I are solid. I'm like, well, okay. But it was quite interesting to watch that because it was out, I don't think it burned 10 minutes. But fascinating. And what a, what a joy, what a freeing experience to be there in that room with those people. So step six, celebrate and know when something good happens up and call a friend and let them know. And then step seven is to end each day with gratitude and forgiveness. To put down whatever it is I don't need to carry, who comes to mind to do the forgiveness work. And for me, that's always different. Every day there's somebody new to, to forgive, somebody that I'm grabbing onto and in, the, you know, in the field of my awareness, but also to be grateful, to end the day on gratitude and forgiveness. Simple, simple practices. And she lays it out in this beautiful book. So let's read something inspirational, write a gratitude letter, speak with emotion. Imagine experiencing your good, what it would feel like, who am I with, what does that look like? Expect leads and follow direction, that intuitive, the things that are showing up, the signpost, hey, I'm leaving early and all of a sudden my number gets picked, I guess I'm not leaving early, I guess I am gonna fight traffic. Celebrate successes and demonstrations and end each day with gratitude and forgiveness. So I want to share this idea with you today because I think it's valuable. And I think it, 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 it expands this practice. So this is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The bottom two are about physiological and then safety. The third one is about love and belonging, friendship, family, sexual intimacy. And I, I saw Simon Sinek give a talk about this. He's a wonderful, wonderful thinker and author. And w- when this shooting took place in Oregon last week, He pointed out that in 1960, there was one school shooting in 1960. In 1990, there were 27. In 1990, there were 58. And in the last decade, there have been over 120. And what he theorizes, and I think there's some value to what he theorizes, he said the number one thing that is creating this by these young men, if you see what they have to say, and what has put them down this path is loneliness. They're lonely. It's not about guns. In 1960, 10-year-old kids could go into a store and buy a gun if they had the money. It's, it, you know, it talks about, you know, let's get rid of guns. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not advocating or against it. I just don't think, I think there's something deeper going on in this loneliness. And he says, so what happens with us is we become, we have become, as we use our cell phones, today is my 62nd birthday. Oh, yeah. Thanks, glad I made it too. It's great when you can get a hand for just staying alive, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, but all day long, since I got up this morning and I got up real early, I've been getting uh, notifications on my cell phone of happy birthday, which is lovely. And every time I get one, I finally had to turn it off because I'm trying to put these notes, the dopamine spikes. Boom, yeah, well, that's good. And a little shot of dopamine, which dopamine is if we have have an orgasm, we get dopamine. If we take uh, alcohol, dopamine. Drugs, dopamine. But it's that pleasure uh, drug that is within us that gets activated. And he talks about how now our relationships, for the most part, so many, are on technology. And we've, and we've lost some of that human connection with one another. And he talks about how it's important when we see a young man in a culture that someone connects with them and, and, and values them and will just spend time with them. And, he, and then he draws a correlation to the 12-step program. And I know there's 12-step people here. But if you don't 
fulfill the 12th step, you'll probably go back drinking. The 12th step is you, you sponsor someone for their sobriety. You take what you have and you give it away. You support somebody else. And so what he says, the high practices that I think are so true, so simple, are if you're interested in following this, don't do it yourself. Find someone else to support doing it with. Partner with someone. I support you in your dream. If you have someone that wants, is longing for love, help someone find love. If you have someone that's longing for work, a fulfilling career, help someone find their, that fulfilling career. So wherever you are in your need, find someone else to reach out to because it, it, that activates dopamine like nothing else. If you're longing for happiness, help someone else be happy. I mean, we are hardwired for this. We are tripwired for being with one another. It doesn't matter what tradition we're at. But when we, when we allow technology to keep us from being intimately connected, as Maslow said, it's intimacy, it's belonging. And we all belong, but it's hard for people to, to think that they belong to spirit when they're miserable, when they're struggling. It's a high practice. Help someone else find their happiness. So I'm just, I wanna, I wanna just say this is our 30th anniversary. And, and what we're devoted to here, we're not, once again, beyond the personalities, what has kept this community vibrant and continue to be vital for people is we help transform consciousness. 30 years of helping transform lives. And that's important to us. And it's, what's important to me is, is the, the, the principles that we stand upon are teaching. That's what's precious to me. And there's personalities and there's opinions and all that. And that's, that's great. That's part of it. But why we're here is because it's, it's precious. And it's, we're able to come together in a community of like-minded individuals to put down our biases and our preferences and to realize that there, we are all one. That you're good. Holmes said it. Dr. Holmes said, there's no private good for all of us. So someone else's success is my success. Someone else's love is my love. Well, that's a beautiful thing. So I will thank you for being part of this. Thank you be, for being willing to hear this. There's so many things to be grateful for. And I stand in that gratitude and appreciation with you. So it is. Blessings. Blessings.